Father God, we can't thank you enough for your grace for us. You're so gracious, you're so loving, you're so forgiving, and through Jesus Christ, we know that we have hope of heaven. And Lord, we cannot wait to get there. But at the same time, we know there's work to be done here yet. You're still moving. You're still moving in people's hearts. You're still saving people. You're still revealing your grace to people and, and showing your character to us, Lord, uh, through the different seasons of our lives. You've always been faithful to us. We've always been, uh, you've always been just uh, always blessing us and always caring for us, Lord. Even through the storms of life, we know you're there. And so help us as we look to your word once again, Lord, that you would speak into our lives, you would speak into our hearts and into our minds, that you would in fact increase our faith to trust you, God. With a room this size, there's many concerns, many cares uh, that we're asking you to meet and to show up. And so just let us know you're there, Lord. That's all we know or want to know is that you are there with us. Uh, and if you're in the storm with us, then we have nothing to fear uh, because you are in control of all things. So bless this time as we study. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, as we start Ephesians chapter 3, it's Paul's continuing, obviously, this encouragement to uh, certainly the church at Ephesus, but all believers uh, in Jesus Christ. You know, chapter 2 was again reminding us of uh, the fact that Gentiles had been brought near uh, to God. They were, you know, obviously kind of on the outskirts if they wanted to believe in God they could only go to a certain place on the temple mount they couldn't get very close uh, to the temple itself uh, but Paul says through Jesus Christ all of those things have changed and now we've been had this access and this closeness to God that we didn't have before and so we may not understand it but as Gentiles as non-Jews We've been brought through Jesus Christ into a close, intimate, personal relationship with God, face-to-face -face with God, no longer at a distance, no longer just admiring and seeing others' relationship to God in that closeness. And as I was studying this morning, it, it, it really kind of impressed upon me what it must have been like for the Gentiles witnessing God's blessing upon the Jews. I mean, everything that God did in, with the, the children of Israel and to see the blessings and to see the care for them. And even in their wilderness years, you know, God always fed them, God clothed them, God took care of them. And to, to see that, to witness that, but not to have that, not to be able to, you can only see it from afar. You, be, you almost had to become a Jew in order to become uh, blessed by God. But through Jesus Christ, we have all of those blessings now. We have been brought close to the to the to God Himself, and so that's what Paul has kind of been talking about. And what I want to talk about this morning is the time that we have left in this life. I've entitled today's message "Don't Waste Your Time," and I don't mean don't waste your time, although that's a good good thing to do, not do, but to don't waste the time that we still have here on this earth as we serve God, as we uh, want to live for God, and as we see the landscape in the world around us, there's the time that we have is, is getting shorter and shorter, right? Uh, for those of us that are a little older in the room, we understand the changes that take effect physically. And so time is very precious. And if you could accomplish one more thing before you leave this earth, what would it be? What would that dream be? What would that 
accomplish, accomplishment be that you could achieve before your time is up? I mean, when I was young, <laughs> it seemed like time was just forever, right? I mean, I remember the memories I have of my childhood. It seems like, man, when you were out during the day playing with your friends, it's like time just flew. I mean, you just didn't even have any grasp of time. And now today it's like, oh my gosh, it's 4.30? I mean, I just had my morning coffee, right? I mean, time just goes by so fast. We only have so much time. You can't do any, you can't make time. You can't, you gotta steal time. And so this morning we're gonna be looking at how in your life, God wants to use you. How in your life, he wants the time that you have here remaining to be used for him. And Paul will say later in chapter 5, in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, using the time, embracing the time that you have here on earth, and make it make a difference, make it be of value. As you look at your past week, What did God do through you? What did God accomplish through you? Did he show you something? Did he help you to help someone else to see something in the Lord? See, we got to understand whether you're living wisely or foolishly depends on whether or not you're seeking God's will for your life and doing what he wants your life to produce. And my friends, I want to remind us all, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us every day. If, if you, as long as you have blood running through your veins, God can use you and, and let God use you. That's what we have to understand. See, the, the Bible identifies God's specific call on people's lives many times through a vision. He shows it to them. He reveals it to them. Uh, but then other times he uh, calls a person to do one specific thing in their life. That's why that person was born. That's why that person existed was to to do this one thing. And I I always look at John the Baptist as a perfect example of that. I mean, from the very womb, his call upon his life was to be the forerunner to Jesus Christ. That was his sole purpose. And it says in Luke chapter one, verses 76 through 79, it says, and you child, will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. He goes on to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God with which the day spring God himself from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John the Baptist had a single purpose, and that was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Maybe God has one purpose in your life. Are you fulfilling it? Is he fulfilling it through you? He may, he may want to do amazing things through you guys. So be open to what God wants to do in your life. He may speak it to you, He may confirm it through circumstances. He may even use someone else in this world to encourage you in the call God has on your life because a lot of times we see it in others before we see it in ourselves. So be mindful of those things. It's important for each of us to know what God calls us to do within the time that we have on this earth. And not only is it good to know what God's call is on your life, 
but it motivates us to be more focused, more determined, and more willing to be used by God in the way he wants us to. So I ask you and remind you, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. There's a lot of things in this life (laughs) that waste our time, isn't it? There's a lot of things that draw us and draw our attention away from the things of God. The responsibilities that we have, relationships that we have can distract us from the very thing God has called us to do. Now, I'm not saying don't enjoy your life, but make sure you take each and every opportunity that you have every single day and say, God, I wanna glorify you at the end of it. That's the hope that we have. And that's, for me, the Apostle Paul in this first 13 verses is Paul being used by God even in the midst of difficulty in his life. So look with me, if you will, at verse verse one in chapter uh, three, and it says this. For this reason, in other words, hey, Gentiles, you've been brought near. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. So Paul starts out, give me your attention, he starts out here and he says, listen, for this reason, because you've been brought near, I, Paul, notice he says the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul, at the time of this writing, is a prisoner to Rome. He's in prison. He's in house arrest because of his sharing of the gospel with the Gentiles. He's in this place of difficulty in his life. But Paul, in his determination to focus on God's call in his life, says, I'm a prisoner to Jesus. Whatever happens in my life, it's because Jesus allows it. It's because the Lord has opened a door. It's because God has put me in that spot. And I wonder for all of us in this room, whether you're in a a difficult place or not, is it God doing that in your life? Has God placed you in that position and you're more focused on the place than you're focusing in on the purpose for being there? Paul took every, each and every opportunity that he had, no matter where he was, (laughs) to be used by God. Remember, he was on a boat. On the way to Malta, the storm came. He was used by God. He's down in the belly of the boat praying, God, show me what's going to go on so I can communicate, always wanting to be used. So find yourself. That's what we need to do as believers is find ourselves in that place where, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? What do you want me to do in this circumstance? God, do you want me to just show my faith in you and trust in you to others? God, do you just want me to stay on my knees before you and pray and ask, Lord, what is it you're doing in my life? Or even in the midst of the storm, Lord, you just want me to continue as though nothing's happened. Continue to be faithful. That's what he calls us to do, is to be faithful. And to not complain. It's so easy in this world to complain, isn't it? It's so easy to complain. Something's uncomfortable. Something doesn't go our way. It's, oh. And (laughs) forgive me for using the illustration, but it's just so fresh. You know, the season this church has been in, it can be very frustrating for the time that it's taken, but we see God's infinite wisdom in the midst of this delay for us. God's using it so that he's gonna show us how he's gonna provide for it. So we have to, be tra- we have to trust his timing. So whatever the place is you're in, excuse me, <clears throat> make sure you understand that God's gonna use you right where you're at. Paul said, listen, <laughs> for this reason, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Notice he says, for you Gentiles. Paul doesn't want them to look at his life and his imprisonment and go, oh man, poor Paul. No, 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 it's for you. 
I'm, I'm suffering for you. And I wonder how many of us are willing to suffer for the benefit of someone else, to go through a little difficulty in this life to help someone else. Yes, we love to be blessed by God. Yes, we love when God does things in our own personal lives, but maybe sometimes things happen in our lives to help someone else, to help someone else see what it means to be faithful. I mean, I would imagine looking on at the, the Apostle Paul going, wow, this man is called by God to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, and he's stuck in prison. Wouldn't you imagine the Apostle Paul might get a little discouraged in that position? But he doesn't. In fact, most of the letters in the New Testament are written because Paul is in prisons. I think it's Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians has been written in this, in this prisonment. And Paul says, listen, I'm in this place. I can't move. He was, had the freedom to move around during the day as long as there was a soldier nearby, but at night he was chained to a soldier. And in that, even in that, he's like, I'm gonna write someone a letter because I'm trusting in God because I'm looking at the Lord Jesus, because I'm, I still have a call on my life no matter the position that I'm in. And we all have a call because we're simply Christians. And when you call yourself a Christian, there's a target on your chest. Trials will come, difficulties will come, but God's grace reminds us it's always, first, always sufficient. So embrace that. Understand that Paul says, listen, I'm a prisoner to Christ. I'm not a prisoner in Rome. I'm not a prisoner to Rome. I'm a prisoner to Jesus. I mean, he always called his chains his chains in Christ. So it's a perspective. Now from verse one, Paul kind of derails his thought, train of thought for the next 13 verses, or excuse me, 12 verses. From verse two to verse 13 is kind of what the, they call a parenthesis. He's like, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, and then if your Bible shows it, there's a dash. He picks up his thought back in verse 14 when he actually prays a prayer. We're not gonna look at that today. But here he's kind of sidesteps and starts to think about the mystery of Jesus Christ. Look at verse two. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of his holy apostles and prophets, or excuse me, to by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles, look at this, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. In a nutshell, Paul is saying, you gotta understand the totality of the amazement in this thing that God always had planned since the foundation of the world, but it was hidden in him until he revealed it to Paul. And he revealed it to Peter. Even Jesus spoke of it. That the Gentiles would not just be saved, not just be on the outside, but they would be brought near, that they would become heirs. 
Can you imagine what it must have been like for a Jew who felt the blessing of being chosen by God and all the blessings and inheritance and all the things? Now to say the Gentiles, the things, that, the people that you look down to, the people that you call dogs, are now also partakers of the uh, your, of our heirs and partakers of God's goodness. For the Jew, it might have been like, wait a minute, that was our blessing. But imagine what it must have been for the Gentile. Wait a minute, what? We're now heirs? We're now equal to the Jew because of what Jesus has done? I don't have to follow the commands. I don't have to be circumcised. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I have to believe in Jesus. And all of a sudden, I receive all of these blessings. What an amazing transformation. And I think the Apostle Paul, again, as he's writing this letter, it's like, I got to talk to him about this mystery. It's unbelievable. And the mystery was revealed to Paul because Paul's call upon his life was what? To spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Even though everything inside of him wanted to save the Jews. He wanted to minister to the Jews, his own countrymen, many times he would call them. And I'm sure he did. But his call specifically in his life was to be a Jew that led, led, led Gentiles to Jesus Christ. That was his call. In prison. <laughs> I'm a prisoner to Jesus Christ. Paul, in the place that he was, was still able to encourage the body of Christ. Guys, we have to understand that this message that we have of Christ dying on a cross and paying the price for our sins is the greatest message ever. And if that message has not changed your life, it'll be hard for you to get somebody else excited about it. For the Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, for Jesus to show up in his life and say, Paul, I love you, and I have a plan for you, and I have a purpose for you, and this is what I want you to do. Paul's fervor for that, keep being the Hebrew of Hebrews and, and, and wanting to uh, be a good Pharisee, now being redirected to the plan that Paul had on his life, or God had on his life. Paul experienced the grace of God in a powerful way. Have you experienced God's grace in your life? Have you? It's easy for us to get in this place where like, oh, Lord, I need something now. And we forget about what he's done for us in the past. Lord, I need you to do it now. I need you to show up now. Instead of being in the midst of that thing, that need, or that position, and just go, God, it's just nice to know you. When was the last time you just sat and admired the Lord? Just sat and just said, Lord, I just want to focus on you because when I focus on you and your glory and your abilities, man, everything else just kind of disappears. Financial struggles in our lives are probably one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with on this side of the world, or this side of heaven. Isn't it going to be nice when we get to heaven and we don't have to worry about money anymore? The street in heaven, the street in heaven is made of pure gold. That's what God thinks of money. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to turn it into pavement because we aren't going to have to worry about it. How many times... How many mornings a week do you wake up, first thing you think about is, how am I going to pay that? How are we going to meet that need? 
we are so consumed with money. Money is about everything in our lives. Especially this time of year, everybody wants your money, right? Everybody's asking for money. (laughs) And it's like the stresses in life can overwhelm us and then we forget about the position that we are in in Christ Jesus. Paul's in prison, he's like, I've been saved by the grace of God and this mystery is for all people. That's why he was so passionate about sharing the gospel because he knew it changed people's lives. And if we would think about that when we're trying to share or trying to encourage someone else, whether it's a believer or even a non-believer, to let them know that the benefits of having a relationship to God is wonderful (laughs) and we enjoy them. But see, we let the enemy steal our joy. I have a friend that always said, the enemy didn't give me my joy, the enemy can't steal it from me. And boy, isn't that the truth? It's God that gives us that joy, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible tells us. So don't let the enemy steal your joy. Because even though we get beat up and bruised in this world, (laughs) we're still saved. We still get to go to heaven. And we can't take any of this stuff with us. (laughs) That's for sure. Again, for you Gentiles. Um, he goes on and says, if, in verse two, let's see, yeah, verse two, if indeed you have heard. I don't, that word if can also be translated since. So it's actually a better translation in my opinion. Since indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. You've heard about this. You, you've heard about the grace of God. You've heard about this outpouring of God's grace. And so because you've heard of this, he says, you have heard of this dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me, for you Paul had to experience it in his own life first that's why I say you can't give what you don't have if you haven't received God's grace how do you give out God's grace you know we're going to be nice to people because we are been treated nice from the Lord the grace in my life from God should flow through me to touch the lives of others that's how it is Um, so God goes on, or Paul goes on in verse three, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. And then he says he's written in before. If you've read about it, you'd understand it. And Paul is basically saying, listen, this isn't an idea I came up with myself. God gave it to me by revelation. God revealed it to me. Do you remember the vision that Peter had when he was up on top of the roof? God showed him a sheet coming down, you know, and he tells Peter, goes, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, Lord, no, no unclean animals ever touched my lips. And God had to continually tell him, listen, yes, that's, that was the way I had it before, but no, now, Paul, now, Peter, I want you to understand, I'm, ex- I'm extending my grace in this new season in a different way. And it was basically God saying, not, listen, I'm not, he wasn't so concerned about the things you ate. He was more concerned about, listen, my grace is now gonna be spread out to all people. In fact, here come some Gentiles knocking on the door. Peter, I want you to go with them and share the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit showed up. And so Peter, God revealed even to Peter that this call upon the Gentiles was gonna be something that God would do and always wanted to do. Help us, Lord, to have those same hearts as the Apostle Paul and as Peter. And not let our our, our, um, prejudices get in the way of someone experiencing God's grace in their lives. What God did in your life, he can do in someone else's life. And when he continues to work, he will reveal that. It cost Paul a lot to follow Jesus, 
right? All of his other Pharisee buddies. <laughs> I'm sure looked down on him, didn't understand it. But it was worth it to the Apostle Paul. And it is, worship, it is worth it to us when we understand how much God has done for us. It's worth whatever we've given up. I always do given up. I'm so glad of the things I gave up in my prior life before Christ. They have bondage on us. It's amazing to me that God in his infinite wisdom would take the persecutor of the church to spread the gospel to the rest of the world. That's how God works. And if he can use Paul, he can use you, he can use me. That's what he does. He uses imperfect people to tell others about a perfect God. Aren't you glad you don't have to be perfect to get to heaven? You have to be perfected, I will say that. And that's a process that we'll constantly go through. Being perfected, growing in God, understanding his ways, being able to share that with others. Don't waste our time. Don't waste your time here on this earth being bogged down with the things in life. Listen, I understand it's hard and they're real, they're real experiences that stress us out. But don't discredit God's involvement in allowing something to happen in your life that's hard for you because he might be trying to get your attention. Right? Sometimes God's going... I need you to talk to me. I need you to pay attention to me. So I'm going to allow this in your life so that you'll get on your knees before me. Storms in my life, man, drive me right to my knees. We shouldn't have to have that. We should be constantly on our knees in prayer before God just because of who he is. So it's amazing that God would use Paul, but he's an example to the others. Uh, yeah, Peter was an example, Acts 11, which is when he revealed the, the idea. Uh, Isaiah 46 in the Old Testament, uh, God said that, he would, uh, that he would, his salvation would go to the end of the earth. And even Jesus said, yeah, Jesus said the same thing in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he goes on saying, teaching them my ways teaching them the ways of God bringing them into a place of salvation so it was always God's heart God used Paul to declare specifically how the Jews and the Gentiles would be brought together in one how does God want to use you how does God want to use you and use your life in the, in the, in the heart of someone else as parents you automatically have small disciples <laughs> that you're raising up in Christ. That's your job, to raise them up in the Lord so that one day they will accept Christ. He goes on in verse five and says, which, is, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man as it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles, here is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Oh, the blessings are there. It all opens up. Everything that God has is now ours. We're his children. Everything he has, every blessing, every spiritual blessing, right, in the heavenly places is ours, available to us. And so the Gentiles were brought to that place where they now received all the same blessings. It was equal ground. We talked about it last week, 
how there was this, this rift between Jew and Gentile, how there can be a rift in the church between different denominations, between different people groups. There should not be that. It's all, we're all the same. When we get to heaven, there's gonna be people there who are surprised you made it. There's gonna be people there that were surprised they made it. Shouldn't we start practicing loving all people on this side of heaven? Help us, Lord. Have the heart of love. It's so hard in these times, in this season, you know, many times we get phone calls or people will visit the church where they need, they need something in their lives. They need a mortgage paid or some food. Or, it's so hard to say no, but sometimes we can't help everybody. And we have to understand that, guys. Just because there's a need, you certainly gotta discern whether God wants you to meet that need, but there's sometimes we have to say, I'm sorry, we can't help you right now. And when someone gets angry about that, when they get mad at us for saying no, it truly reveals the heart, in my opinion. Because if, if you ask me a question, if I don't have the freedom to answer properly, and then you get mad, well then, you're just expecting. And that's what happens in the church. They just expect us to meet those needs. Listen, God blesses us so we can bless others. We should be doing that. But we also have to have discernment. And so Paul's saying, listen, understand, the blessings come when you walk with the Lord. God is our provider, not churches. How many people have I called and said, oh, you're a Christian, you're a church, you're supposed to help others. Yes, we are. We're also supposed to help others understand the position they're in <laughs> and their reliance upon God. Reliance upon God. This, we're not just a bank that just keeps throwing money out. No, we, we meet needs that God puts on our hearts. And in, in verse six, again, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. This is the verse this morning as I read, I'm like, wow, what, a, what an amazing blessing for the Gentiles to know that there isn't a sub-heaven, right? That Gentiles don't go to heaven and they're down in the basement. You know, it's like, no, we're equal. We get to go to heaven as well. And so that's what we see here. God makes us all heirs. We're one church. We're one body. And I'm sure it breaks the heart of God when he sees the divisions in his church. Infighting in a church should not be. I understand we all have different opinions and different options and different things, choices that we make, but we should all be focusing on the Lord and focusing on blessing him. So don't let things get in between relationships in the church. Again, use the time wisely that we have. Don't waste our time. In verse seven, of which I became a minister. Now, it's interesting, the process. Paul says, I became a minister because he was called into the ministry, right? The word minister doesn't mean a pastor. The word minister means sharer of good news, right? The, the one who leads others to understand the goodness of God. Uh, it's a servant. A minister is a servant, one who serves other people. And I, I try to uh, encourage through my premarital counseling on couples that are planning on getting married, the benefit of serving each other. So important. You know, men are called to be the head of the household. 
but we're called to serve, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So yes, we have a high responsibility and a high call upon our lives as husbands, but we're called to serve. And Paul says, I became a minister. He became a minister. God had to do a work in Paul before he could do a work through Paul. It's the same thing for us. God has to do the work in you. God has to mold you, shape you, show you his grace, show you his ability. He has to take a few things out of your life and put a few things into your life. He has to do a work in your life before you can be used by God. But here's the great thing. He does the work. Paul says, I became a minister. I became one. I became a servant because of God's call upon my life. And if we truly serve one another and serve with the proper heart, can you imagine what the church would be like and what the world would be like if Christians truly would have that heart of service? And listen, there's people in the church that love to serve people, love to help people. If you got a need, let us know. It's probably somebody that would want to help to do it with the right heart and do it because of the Lord and the things that God has done in our lives. So let God do that work in your life uh, so that you, so he can use you. Uh, in verse eight, he goes on, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. You see Paul's perspective on us. Anybody feel like that sometimes? <laughs> I'm the worst Christian on the planet. Paul felt that way. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given not earned, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I mean, the verses that Paul's penning here are just so rich. You see the position he felt, less than the least, okay? He felt he was the bottom of the barrel. uh, And he said, even at the bottom, the grace was given to me. Paul wanted everyone to know that any good that comes out of my life is because of what God did in my life. Give God the credit. Paul isn't taking the credit. He goes, I'm nothing. I'm the bottom. I'm the worst. I'm I'm nothing. But God, through me, did this. He's the one. His grace did it. Uh, That I should preach. Again, proclaim the good news. Uh, What an important thing it is. We always love to share good news, don't we? We love to receive good news. But we should be all excited about sharing good news. Hey, you're not going to believe what happened this week. Man. I got a promotion. You're not going to believe what happened this week. I got engaged to my fiance. I mean, good news. We love to share it. We love to receive it. Is there any better news than the news of the gospel of Jesus? It's called the good news, right? That's what the gospel means, good news. Shouldn't we want to share that? Shouldn't we want someone else to know what that is, what that means? Because I believe there's people, even in the church, like I'll deal with that Jesus thing later this is what we do on Sunday mornings we go to church we worship we struggle through the message the pastor gives we've done our thing for Sunday morning God doesn't want your attendance he wants your heart he wants your life he he wants to do a work in you so that he can do a work in someone else He'll get to someone else through you if you'll let him. And Paul said, listen, God did it in me. I'm nobody. And boy, he did it in me. Uh, 
The grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles. And then I love the description, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I don't like the word unsearchable because <laughs> that makes it sound like you can't find. To me, it's, uh, let me write this, let me read these. It's endless treasures, unfathomable treasures, boundless, incomprehensible. Those are better words to me. Unsearchable means I'll never be able to find it. <laughs> At least that's, that's how I define it. But for Paul, it's like, it's an, it's an amazing thing that it's endless. You'll never get to the place where you'll run out of God's riches, right? Don't we believe that scripture, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? I have a friend that always says, God will sell a couple of those cattle and he'll take care of you. <laughs> he will. He'll take care of us. He's un, the unsearchable, the unfathomable riches of Christ. There's nothing more valuable than all the earth. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how successful you are in business. The most important thing is that you have Jesus and that you're going to heaven. That's how the Apostle Paul looked at it. And that's how he said, that's what I'm preaching to you guys, the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 9, he says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, excuse me, yeah, mystery. To make all see. He wants everyone to understand. He wants them to see it, wants them to embrace it, and wants them to be a part of it. This word fellowship means Koinonia means to gather together. He wants them to be a part of it, of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. You know, it's interesting. It's a mystery until God revealed it. Had God not revealed the mystery, it would have never been revealed because only God knew it. And the mystery is that not just the Jews could be saved, that all people can be saved. And so the beautiful thing is, it's been manifest, it's been told through all ages, hidden in God, but then through Jesus Christ was revealed. And then verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom or diverse wisdom of God might be made known, look it, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. What a verse this is. God... <laughs> intended in his wisdom, his diverse wisdom, that it might be known by the church to the principalities and powers. Do you know what this means? The heavenly beings, angels, both good and fallen, look at God's grace in your life and are amazed. You know why? Because we don't deserve it. Right? The angels in Prince they're going, why are you blessing them? <laughs> I mean, the apostle Paul thinks he's the least of all of them. Why would you bless him? Well, if you'll bless Paul, he'll bless your life. And the blessings and grace in your life are to let all heaven and earth know God's grace is unbelievable. It makes no sense. It makes, listen, we're gonna bless good behavior, right? And punish bad behavior. God wants to bless us no matter what. He wants good behavior. He wants us to walk in obedience to him. But even when we mess up, guess what? My grace is sufficient for you. The grace shows up even then. It's not we get to the point, oh, I messed up. I, oh, no grace for me today. No, it's available. And so let God use your life. Again, don't waste your time. Let God use your life 
So not only others in the world would see it and go, man, God's amazing that he blesses that person, but that all heaven looks down and sees the grace of God. I love that. I love that. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice the word accomplished. It's already done. It's past. It's already, already, already happened. Oh, it's, it's happening in our lives, but because of what Jesus done, it is accomplished. And then in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Do you have boldness before God? You have access because of what Jesus did. And actually it says access with confidence. So you don't even have to enter into the presence of God sheepishly. (laughs) You have access. Christ opened the door for you to commune with God. And you should be confident in that, not because of yourself. (laughs) Paul was confident, but he also felt he was the least of all the saints. So it wasn't about his ability. He was confident that God gave him that access question is how often are we using that access how much do we avoid that access because of other things see we waste our time on other things and worrying on other things and trying other things instead of entering into the presence of God boldly confidently accessing God saying God this is what's going on in my life let's work it out together help ask God to help you with whatever it is that's going on See, to me, the Apostle Paul in prison writing these letters is going, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time here? I imagine God would say, well, minister to the soldier you're chained to, why not? Share the gospel with him. But while you're here, Paul, you know, write down a few thoughts. Listen to what my Holy Spirit tells you and write these things down. Unsearchable riches, boldness, access with confidence when we look to self, when we look to the world, when we look to others, it's real easy to get discouraged. Again, it would be so easy for the Apostle Paul to get discouraged going, God, you called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and I'm sitting here chained to one. I don't want to just lead one to the Lord. I want to lead all to the Lord. And you know what? God said, well, I'm going to give you a new new soldier every few days. (laughs) You can minister and do a new one. Paul blossomed where he was planted. He didn't look at his circumstances and get discouraged. He looked at his position and got encouraged that, you know what, I'm gonna gonna be a blessing no matter where I'm at. And I know for some of us in this room, (laughs) we're like, well, we don't like the workplace that we're in, don't like my coworkers, don't like my job. Blossom where you're planted. I can remember the day, almost, I can almost see it. It was, uh, what was the year? It had to be before we moved here, so it's probably 1989, 90, 90. I can remember saying to God, get me out of this place. No, it wasn't. It was actually, uh, in the, yeah, it was in the mid, mid-90s. I said, God, get me out of this workplace. It was, it w- I, was a, I was a draftsman for an engineering company, and they used to work us. I mean, we'd work almost around the clock sometimes trying to get projects done. And it was just 
a lot of work. And you think, as soon as you get one project done, you're thinking, okay, give us a break. They'd give us another one that we got to just work. And I just, I remember getting into a meeting on, a, on one of our projects, sitting down at the conference table, and I wrote on the paper, God, get me out of here. And I sat there for a minute, and then I was like, or help me get through this until you're ready to move me on. And it wasn't too long after that that God did open the door. And again, it's a preparedness of our hearts and, and saying, I'm okay being where I'm at. I don't like it, Lord, but help me make the most of it while I'm here. Help me to see that you can use me here. And to this day, I'm still talking to some of those people that were in that conference room. And they remember me being a Christian. And that was really early in my Christian walk. And for them to still remember, it's like, Lord, you, you did that. I didn't do that. And so blossom where you are. Let God use you where you are. And then see, he might move you on. He might take you to a new place. But he's got, he's got you there for a reason. In fact, you know, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 uh, it says in verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Such an encouraging verse to motivate us, right? <laughs> to make disciples. But it's not, I don't want us to look at it like it's a job. I want us to look at it like it's an opportunity. Lord, use us. Go, therefore. Go out into your life. Live your life. Do your thing. But while you're going, make disciples. Tell somebody about me. So maybe when you're sitting at lunchtime with someone, if we anybody does that anymore, I don't even know. But if you're sitting with someone, <laughs> talk to them about the Lord. Tell them what God's done in your life. Don't waste the time. Embrace the time and share. Share, say, hey, this is what the Lord did with me this morning or last week. Whatever it is, God will use it. He used the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter to us to encourage us not to waste the time that we have here and to walk with the Lord. God's riches are unsearchable. We will never completely use them. And they are available to each and every one of us right now. His unsearchable riches are available to us. I could use a few of those unsearchable riches in my life. You? A few areas that, Lord, I would love your riches to show up here. Be amazing. Let's see what God will do. Let's see what he'll do. Verse 13, and this is where we close. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you which is your glory Whew. Paul wraps it up by saying don't feel bad about where I'm at because when you have love for someone and they're in a difficult situation you feel bad for them Paul's saying listen don't, don't even be concerned about what I'm going through because it's all for your glory it's all for you. I'm able to write letters to the churches and encourage the churches. I'm able to encourage people from where I'm at. So don't let that bog you down. Paul's saying, listen, I am using the time that I have effectively for the Lord. You do the same. Pray for me, I'm sure Paul would say. Pray for me. Pray that I get out. Pray that God gets me out. But don't be discouraged by it. 
because Paul saw it as a blessing in his life. The churches needed to see it as a blessing in their lives as well. Because in that place, I'm sure Paul prayed for many believers, and I bet God moved mightily. God wants to use all of us, and perhaps even through our difficulties, he might show up and and show himself once again faithful. So I encourage us all, don't lose heart. Don't waste time. Be where God wants you to be. Be used by him where he wants you to be. Paul himself certainly could have gotten discouraged, but he didn't. He knew he was being used by God. And the faithfulness of the apostle Paul allows us to read a letter like this today and encourage us to be reminded of the great mystery that God revealed to him all those years ago. And we continue to reap the benefits. Because of your faith in Christ, Paul fulfilled his ministry. So don't waste your time. Use it all for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the perspective of the apostle Paul not getting so bogged down in the place that he was at, but continuing to be used. And so, our Lord, I pray for all of us in this room. You know where we're at. You know what we're dealing with. You know the things that consume our thoughts. And in many cases, bog us down because it's just so stressful and so hard. But in these times, help us to look back to see where you showed up in our past. Those times when we worried back then, you provided. And even today, you will again. And you will continue to provide for us until we leave this earth, until we go to be with you for all eternity. And boy, we can't wait to be with you, Lord. But as as you said in the Great Commission, you're with us always. You'll never leave us. So thank you. Bless each and every one of us here. And because of the blessings you give to us, help us, Lord, to be a blessing to others. To encourage them to believe by faith that where they are currently, is a position of praise to you. We want you to receive all the glory and all the honor. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.